Good morning, everybody. Good morning. If that same person who's writing the $100,000 check for the roof, if you could also write one for the youth as well, um, then I don't have to get dunked today. But... Of course, we have our fundraiser, which is today, right after service. We're having our dunk tank fundraiser. <sighs> I've been told I don't know what I'm in for. I've never been dunked in a tank before. I've heard it's painful from a few people. <laughs> Pastor said it's the bigger people that feel it. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, so I'll be good, yeah. So uh, we decided to simplify it. So I want to just walk you through what that will look like today. So right after service, we're going to be in the backyard and there'll be a small table there and any donation will get you some lunch and it will also get you a chance to dunk myself or potentially a few other people who might be in that tank as well. So uh, you'll get your food, hang on to your ticket and whenever you'd like, you can walk up to the dunk table and hit me with your best shot. Or you can save it for when someone else goes in. Just another idea. But... uh, Hit me with your best shot, really. And uh, the reason we're doing this, you guys, and um, is because summer camp is such an incredible experience for young people. And so many people that I know and so many people who are a part of our youth group only are able to go to these events because of the fundraisers that we do here. How many of you know God is bigger than money? Amen. And so, I mean, even for myself, I was sponsored to just about every youth event I ever went to growing up in high school. It's where I gave my life to Jesus. It's where I let go of heavy burdens and forgave people. It's where I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's where God called me into youth ministry. The reason I'm here today is because of camps like this. And the reason I went to camps like this is because of fundraisers like we're doing today. And so I would just encourage you, if you would, if you would give to help support our youth and um, you can do by cash, you can do by card, or you can do by check, any check, you just make it out to Harvest Bible Church and then we'll get that right after service. And, um, you know, take it easy on me in the dunk tank, okay? Who's a good thrower? You can go to the back of the line. You can wait for pastor to get in there maybe. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but we're, uh, we're very excited and, um, you know, we already have a full sponsorship and we didn't even ask. Someone just put it on there as a part of an additional offering to their tie that they paid. And so, man, we're just so grateful to be a part of such an incredible giving church. Amen. Amen. And also, I mean, you know, you don't have youth unless you start with kids, right? So we have our VBS still coming up. And uh, my understanding, we have a lot of people who say they want to go and tell us they're going, but not a whole lot of people who have officially signed up. So if that's you, if you fall in that category, make sure you officially sign up, harvestbiblekids.org, and then uh, we can finally get you checked in there. We know who's coming and know what to expect. It's going to be an incredible, incredible VBS. And uh, so that's it for the announcements. And I'm going to go get changed in my swim trunks. I will see you guys after service. Junior high, if you guys would follow Samantha out to the back, she'll take you guys over. Amen. Amen, Cameron. It's going to be good. You know, they're going to Old Oak Ranch, which is a really camp that's been around for years and years and years, back in the 40s and the 50s. 
And uh, it's, it's a great camp, and we're believing for great things for them this morning. Amen? And for that time to be... It, believe it or not, it, that camp right there is where Pastor Hagen, who's going to be 84 this year, that's where he actually got the call of God to go into ministry. and, and get Because Brother Hagen, his dad, was doing the youth camp there in 1950-something or other. So and, uh, anyways, you know, so it's a unique place and a unique thing. And so we're praising God for that. Hey, guess what this morning? Pastor Pamela's going to minister to you. Anytime we have something crazy, it just seems like the Lord says, hey, here we go. You're going to do this. And the last time she did, we had a tremendous, the Holy Ghost just fell awesomely. And she's a blessing. I always try to get her to do more. People always ask and say, how come she doesn't get to preach more? I, I always ask her. But she doesn't ever preach until she says, I got it. If I don't got it, you got to get ready. See, I got, I got, I got two sermons in here because I had to get ready. Make sure, because she didn't tell me until now. I mean, that's why I'm wearing my headpiece. That's why we're doing. says, well, how, does, how come she gets to have that? Because you get to hear me 50-some weeks out of the year. Come on. Pastor Pamela, let's come. Let's get blessed. Let's let God be God. She's an amazing lady. Tremendous blessing. I love her dearly, and I'm looking forward to what God's given her. Amen. Go for it. Let's do it. Amen. Well, it is true. Every time something crazy happens, I'm speaking. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but, you know, last time we had no electric... We pulled out the old acoustic piano, and um, Keanu played the cajon, and we had church regardless, amen? Yeah, that was when the lights went out in Georgia. Oh, no, that was Stockton. <laughs> well, Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. God, we thank you for you are so incredible, so powerful, so worthy to be praised this morning. And Father, I pray that every heart, every person in this room listening this morning would just be so fixated upon you this morning on the greatness of who you are, that they would see Jesus, that Lord, you would just cause us to have just a revelation of who your son is today and God, that you would cause our hearts to long for him, to cause us to to love him and to desire him, God, for praise is so, it's so good for your saints to praise you, God. There's so much benefits in praise. And so, Father, this morning I just give you this time, I give you this moment, I give you this pulpit, I give you my hands, I give you my voice, that, Father, you would speak to your people this morning, your sheep. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus, I pray, amen. 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 Well, I do want to talk to you this morning. Um, The Lord put on my heart to talk to you about... um, worship and about praise. It's kind of my area uh, uh, that I do. You see, I do the worship. And um, a long time ago, you know, I was, I was raised as a pastor's kid. I've told you that a hundred times. And, you know, my mom and dad, we pastored smaller churches. And so, um, and sometimes we would go, because my family all sang, we would all go to different churches and we would do, have you heard of the Singspirations? We'd have Singspirations. Of course, you would know, Pat. <laughs> Nobody else heard of Singspiration? That's when all of you get a song and you get a turn to get to come up here and sing to the Lord. And, and so my mom was so great. Is she here this morning? I don't know if she made it this morning. It was pretty hot. But um, we kids would be in the back seat and my mom would be teaching us the song on the way to church. And so we learned very quickly to learn harmonies. And sometimes I just did it phonetically. Jesus, Jesus. You know, I don't know what I was singing. I was just phonetically making noises. But, you know, God, God was so gracious. And somewhere in that, 
you know, it kicked in. What, what I was singing really had meaning. And um, when I got into, uh, in, I was probably, I'd say I was around sixth grade, I think sixth grade. I had spent the night at a friend of mine's and um, we were, it was bedtime and we were listening to the radio and a song came on the radio and it was called Love on a Two-Way Street. I saw love, I found love on a two-way street. If you're on my age, you'll probably remember that. <laughs> and, but what struck me about this song was that that girl was my age. And I remember thinking, wow. And, and then I felt the presence of God come upon me. And something welled up out of my soul. And I said, God, if you'll give me a voice, I'll sing for you. And so I remember the next time we went to church and we were practicing with my parents and my dad had a little radio program. And so um, we would, you know, we'd have to go on Saturdays or whatever to, to sing the songs for dad's radio program and record it. And, you know, sometimes my sister and I are like elbowing each other and fighting and Jesus loves me, this son, you know, and, um, but I remember this, this, one, this one time, shortly just right after that prayer, I remember I was singing this song. Remember the song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. You know, and I was singing that, and all of a sudden the words hit me, and I just started weeping. And um, I started getting a vibrato. And, and so my mom thought I was just messing around. She goes, Pamela, stop it. I go, what did I do? She goes, quit making your voice shake. And I go, okay. So I sang again, and it started, my, the vibrato kicked in. And my brother, he goes, mom, that's, she's getting a vibrato. She's singing. And I'm like, oh, is that what's happening to me? And, and so I went into, um, you know, into my eighth grade year, and I auditioned for the song from the movie Annie. The sun will come out tomorrow. And, um, and out of all the kids, I got picked to sing that song, and I was just so excited. And, um, you know, God started really, you know, maturing a voice in me. And then um, I got kicked out of, I, I joined the choir in eighth grade. I got kicked out of choir because apparently I was talking too much. But, you know, gosh, I think the teacher's after me. I think he's being a little, a little judgmental. But, um, so then I got into high school, my freshman year, and, um, I, I joined the choir and, um, my teacher, he, he saw something in me and he really started to just work with me and train me. And I went, uh, to competitions. I won, uh, local competitions. I went to state competitions and I started seeing a progressive, a progressiveness forward that I thought, wow, I'm going to sing for Jesus. I'm going to be a singer. And so I remember my, my senior year, um, I had applied for several different colleges. I was accepted. I had this one scholarship offered to me um, from Puget Sound, and it was a full ride, a scholarship to go into music. And um, so all of this is kind of happening. And then um, I went, I had just won a big secular competition, and I was going to go to a church competition for the Assemblies of God. We were part of the Assemblies of God. And so I was going to go and do this competition. And if you won this competition, you would get to sing for, um, oh, 
What's that man's name? He was the man that was, was the Vietnam vet, Dave Reaver. Remember Dave Reaver? And, um, and so Dave Reaver had a powerful testimony, and there was going to be thousands of young people there, and it was going to be a really opportunity, whoever won this competition, that they could, you know, sing. And I thought, I just know this is going to be God's opportunity. I'm going to be discovered, and I'm going to go sing. And so I sang, and I lost. <laughs> well, I got second place, but to me, I lost. And so I didn't get to sing, and I remember that I went uh, back to my room and I was confused because I thought this is what God was going to do with my life. Have you ever been thinking that God was going to do this with your life and then the door goes smack, close in your face? At least to me, that's what was happening. And I didn't care about the secular competitions. I wanted the spiritual competitions. I wanted to be in the place of where um, God was going to use me for his glory and I went back to the, it was, we were actually, all of us kids were staying in a, in a gymnasium. And I, I opened my Bible and, and God opened it up to this. And it says, in, in Psalm four, chapter 40, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. And he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. And he set my feet on solid ground. And he steadied me as I walked along. And here's the part that really jumped at me. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see what he has done and be amazed and they will put their trust in the Lord. Well, when I read that, I was like, wow. Okay, God, so my voice, my singing is to be for you. And so... Shortly when I got back, I approached my youth pastor, Pastor Larry, and I said, Hey, Pastor Larry, you know, you can't sing very good, and you're leading the worship in the youth. <laughs> and I just think God has called me to lead the youth in the worship. And so, um, and so I started doing the worship for, uh, for my youth group. And, um, and so I started realizing that it wasn't a music career that I was going to pursue. I, will, I wanted to pursue ministry. I wanted to, uh, to, to do worship, to, to lead worship. Now, many years kind of progressed. I graduated from high school. I was supposed to go to college. And things happened and transpired that I had to move from Washington, where I was at, to back to California. We had basically lost everything as a family. We were coming back to California to start over. And my parents, I was with my parents. And, um, and so when I got back to California, I basically got landlocked. I got stuck here. And so I started going to my uncle's church. And in my uncle's church, you know, I started um, stepping in to help to do worship there. And, um, you know, I, and it was okay. You know, I was, I was still learning. But I didn't yet know how to really do the piano. And a very powerful man of God, his name was Jay Daniel. Jay Daniel had a powerful testimony. He had been in a car accident, and he was thrown through the windshield, and he was killed. 
And so he was taken to the morgue and um, declared dead. And they have pictures. He had pictures of the, of the crash scene. You know, he didn't have pictures of the morgue scene, but he had, pictures, he had the death certificate and all of these things. And God took him to heaven and he got to see heaven and he, he came back. Anyway, he, had a, he was a powerful man of God. I remembered him as a child coming to my dad's church and ministering, a powerful anointing. And when I had got to my uncle's church, Jay Daniel was there. And Jay Daniel had got cancer in his esophagus. And so he was no longer preaching. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, that's tragic that he's not preaching anymore. I didn't really know about the cancer. I just saw him sitting in the front pew. And I remember thinking, gosh, I wonder why he's sitting in the front pew when he should be ministering. And the Lord gave me this little 18-year-old girl. I had no idea what it meant to give a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, but the Lord had me write a message to him. And so I wrote it on a piece of paper and I gave it to him and his wife. I snuck it to him and then I I bolted away, you know, because I felt like, you know, I'm here, you're a man of God and I'm just this, this kid, you know. And, um, and the next Sunday, he, him and his wife come and they sat by me and all he did was weep and weep and weep and raise his hand to heaven. And he, he'd go like this because he couldn't talk and his wife would talk for him. And she said, we just want you to know how much that word meant to us. And um, basically, like I said, I really didn't know he had cancer, but the word was about God's about to raise you up. God's about to send you out again. And so... Um, a miracle happened to G. Daniel, and, um, and he began to get his voice back. He got his voice back, and, um, and so him and his wife, Joanne, decided to go back on to the evangelistic field, and before he left, he asked me, he said, Pam, what is it that you would most want from God? And I said, well, I said, I really would like to know how to play the piano. And um, he said, okay, you know, Joanne didn't know how to play the piano, but I'm going to pray for you that an anointing will come upon your life and God will use you to play the piano. And so he prayed for me and, um, you know, the anointing of God came in my life. It didn't just happen. I didn't go over there and just start playing. I had to to learn how to play the piano, but God just began to use me. I never took a lesson, and I'm not the most best player you have out there, but I play with all my might for Jesus. And so um, so as, as time, time was going by, um, you know, I was finding that the dreams and the desires that I had just were not coming to fruition. And a matter of fact, at, an, at a church that I was at, I was singing songs, worship songs. I was leading. I was playing the piano. And I was sat down by the pastor and his wife. And they said, we no longer want you to play the piano or to lead worship. We, we want this person and then this person and then you will be third in line. So if this person doesn't show up or this person doesn't show up, then you can play the piano. And... Um, on this particular night, I was actually supposed to sing a song by Karen Wheaton, if you ever heard it. It's the worship medley, and it is one of the most powerful songs to God about, you know, about um, worshiping God. And, and so I was, they didn't like my style of music, and so um, I was like, okay. <laughs> I, had you ever felt like you got punched in the stomach? Again, the calling on my life, I'm thinking, God... Why am I constantly getting punched in the gut? Why am I constantly not coming to that place that you wanted me to, to be, who you called me to be? And, and so I left them 
their office. I went and I sat in my chair and I had to contain my emotions because I, I was still supposed to sing that night. And, and then I started arguing with God. I said, Lord, I can't sing that song. I can't sing that song, the worship medley, because that's the song they're telling, that's the kind of music they're telling me I can't sing. And the Lord said to me, didn't you say you were going to sing that song for me? Because I had, I had, I had prayed that. And I said, well, yes, I said that. He said, then come and sing that song for me. And so you talk about just feeling like you're at the wrong place at the wrong time in front of the wrong people doing the wrong thing. I walked upon that, that platform and I took the microphone and I just, all I knew to do was lift my head up and not look at the faces out there. Now it wasn't, it wasn't the people, it was the, the leadership. And I began to sing the song, the worship medley to God and just a powerful worship medley. When, and the, and the anointing of God was so strong. I mean, I'm trying now to really contain my emotions because I can feel God receiving my worship. And he was, he was, he was glorying in the song and I could sense the anointing of God. When I finished, nobody moved. It was very awkward. No sound, nobody moved. The pastor didn't move, nobody moved. And so I just kind of tiptoed off the stage and went back and I sat down in silence. And all of a sudden, a woman began to wail and sob and sob and wail. And the Lord said to me, Pam, today they did not reject you, but they rejected me. They rejected me. And I learned a valuable lesson that day. That when... When I come to church expecting a certain type of worship for me, and I, I want the songs that make me feel good, or I want the sound of music that makes me come alive, it becomes worship about me and not to him. And, and so that worship doesn't go any higher than the ceiling in this room. But when we offer what the Bible says, a sacrifice of praise, which is what I did that day, I offered a sacrifice of praise to him. I yielded myself to him in humility, even though I felt like I was getting ready to be stoned. I yielded myself to God and God received that praise and worship because it was for him and to him. Now, many years later, I was at a, um, a Gaither vocal band, you know, how they used to do the, um, the, big, the big tours, and, and I love that. I, I went to it, and um, they had all these great bands and all these great singers. You know, my background is also Southern Gospel, Bluegrass, and so I'm like, you know, I'm liking this stuff. And, um, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just drops into my heart, and he begins to speak to me, and he says, Pam, you know, there are some people who I've called to lead people into worship. And, and, and they, will, they will minister to the people. But there are few that will minister to me. And, and as I was listening to these people, I mean, people were getting excited and they're, you know, it'd be like we're singing, you know, there is power, power. You got all the band going and we're like, you know, and, and they're getting the people excited and there's, and that's awesome. But there is a worship that is strictly to God. And this type of worship is, is, you know, it, it's to him, for him and only for him. 
And then the church world has got so far away from that place. It's called the Holy of Holies. It's called that place where I come into the Holy of Holies when the world is behind me and I simply worship the God that he is. He is worthy to be praised. Why? Because he's holy. Because he created all things. He is mighty. The the angels all sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, And that's the worship of my heart is the holy of holies in the presence of God. But I, I, I go back when I, when I remembered what the Holy Spirit spoke to me about, about they did not reject you, they rejected me. And um, I was looking in the Bible this morning at, at the different types of, of, of praise and worship, and then I'm going to give you these kind of quickly. But I want to ask you, why do you come to church why am I up here playing the piano? And sometimes you make me work hard. Can I be honest? I sometimes, I, I leave and I ask my husband, I go, hey, was it okay? Because I feel like I hit a wall. And I feel like I, I kept trying. Come on, guys. Come on. you. And I feel like sometimes I'm a cheerleader. Hey, let's go. Let's worship, worship, worship. Let's go. Let's go. You know, and, and I'm trying to get you to worship God. And that's not my job. And, and, and sometimes I just feel like, like I'm just, I, I, I leave and I feel so discouraged. Can I be honest with you? I feel so discouraged sometimes when I do worship here. Because if I haven't brought you into that scene, Jesus, face to face, then you're going to walk out of here the same way you came in. Now, the word of God's going to come forth, and thank God, but you know, you're also making Pastor Mark work hard. Because if you don't break the ground, Judah plows, the Bible says, Judah plows. Praise breaks the ground. Praise will break the soil of the hardness of our hearts. When I press in, it will break open the soil, the the hardness of my heart. Because I've yielded myself to him so that now when Pastor Mark comes up and he begins to sow the seed, like the sower is sowing the seed, the word of God, you receive it into your heart, uh, you know, so much more easily. And then it will bring forth fruition. But sometimes we come in and I, hey, I, I get it. You know, I get it. Sometimes we come in, we've just come in off of work. Maybe you've got, you just got into it with your spouse. Maybe you just got into it with your kids. Maybe you're just not feeling good. Maybe it's too hot in here because boy, I was really hot up here this morning. And, um, and you know, and, and maybe you just don't feel like praising God. But let me tell you something. If you will command yourself to praise the Lord... If you will break out of that mold, I'm telling you, that is what's holding back a move of God in this house. Freedom. Freedom to worship him. Freedom to express our love to him. You know, I I would love to sometimes, you know, maybe just block some of these chairs and make you all come up here next to me during worship time and just freely worship him or, or come and kneel at the altar and just pray to him, but just have that connection with him. Just come before him. Why? Because he's holy, because he's good, because he's the only one that can turn your circumstances around. And so, you know, we have to come 
with a heart of gratitude and would come with an expectancy in our hearts that when, when, when the first song begins, we should all be ready to just, I love, I love this couple right here, Jim and Janine. Jim and Janine, Janine are powerful worshipers. Y'all see them? Y'all watch them? I mean, they're, they're lifting their hands, and, and I'm not pointing my fingers at any of you, but I'm just saying I can see them. Sometimes I can't see all of you, especially when the lights are out and I've got lights on me. I can't see you, so I'm not, but I can see them over here. And, you know, I see the hands. I see them coming. I see them moving forward to the altar. I see them lifting their hands. And, and this is, this is the, the, the heart that all of us need to have, the heart that God, I just, I want more of you. Don't you just want more of him? And, um, and, and it's, it's, you know, again, the, the, my life has been where I thought I was going to be a performer. I thought I was going to sing in, in the music industry. When God began to speak to me and said, no, I'm going to, you're going to sing a new song of praise. You're going to sing a song of praise. You're going to be a worship leader. And matter of fact, it's not a worship leader for people. It's a worship leader to me. And that's why I learned a long time ago, not to look at the congregation. I try to keep my eyes closed as much as I can. I try not to look out to the congregation because I got to keep my heart right. Because some of all, you can be a little scary looking. <laughs> you could be very stoic. And I'm thinking, ah! <laughs> and so I got to keep my eyes on Jesus. And I'm like, okay, God, this is, no, this is for you. This is, this is for you. Why? Because praise has power. And the enemy would love everything to, to steal from you the opportunity to praise God because praise has power. Praise brings in the presence of God. I mean, I love that song. I will praise before the breakthrough. I'm going to praise you. Why? Because praise to me is that sacrifice of praise. Praise is that thing that says, before I see it, before it happens, I have faith that you're going to come through. And so I worship the God that you are, that you're the God of more enough. You're the God that can heal. And, and praise, as you begin to praise God, as you begin to lift him up, I believe chains begin to break off of you. Oppression, depression, sickness, whatever it is begins to change. Your heart begins to change. Why? Because I'm taking and I'm changing my focus from this world, which is pretty ugly looking, right? The things of this world are pretty scary, but I lift them up to the, to the God of all potential, the God of all power. I lifted my eyes to him because he can change my life. And every time I step out to worship him, it's a step of faith. God, I will. And that's why David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Come on, my soul doesn't always want to bless him. My mind, my will, and my emotions are fighting. Nah, I don't want to. I don't really feel like it. But I will bless the Lord, oh my soul. Soul, I command you. You will bless the Lord. Flesh, you will lift up your hands. And I don't have to tell you what the Bible says. If you want to go back and look in Psalms and read in the Bible, come on. They're clapping their hands. They're lifting their hands. Matter of fact, they're even dancing before God. They're shouting unto God with a voice of triumph. They're blowing trumpets. They're playing high timbrels and low timbrels and drums and, and stringed instruments. Why? Because God loves our worship. That means we trust him and we have faith in him. You know, um, in, in first Chronicles, turn there, first Chronicles chapter 21, first Chronicles chapter 21. I want to, I'm going to read you just some different stories this morning about worship. 
And in this story, we find Jehoshaphat, right, is surrounded. Let me start it with verse 20, Second uh, Chronicles 20, verse 1. After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Minunites and declared war on Jehoshaphat. And the messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. And they are already at Hazan Tamar. And this was another name for Engedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Now, you and I are in this circumstance so many times. You go to the doctor. They give you a diagnosis. It's like the army is coming against you. You get bills in the, in the mail. You get a foreclosure notice. You get calls from your children's school. I don't know what the armies that are surrounding your life today. But just like Jehoshaphat, it can cause us to be afraid and fearful. But here Jehoshaphat, he knew what to do. He sought the help of God. In verse 5, it says, Now Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed. O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. Sometimes we just got to remind ourselves that, right? O God, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people of Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. And they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity such as war, plague, or famine, when we come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored, we can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. Moab and Mount Seir. Uh, Now we, okay. Now, Now we see what the armies of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when the Israel left Egypt. So when they went around them, they did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave to us as an inheritance. Oh God, won't you stop them? Now, I love this next verse. For we are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. Let me stop. I don't know what army surrounding you. Did you get papers of divorce from your spouse, shockingly? Did you find out your child is doing drugs? What is the armies that are coming and surrounding you? And like this, we feel so powerless. God, I'm powerless. I don't know how to fight this army. I don't know how to stand against this. They're about to attack. I don't know what to do. Anybody been there? I've been there many times. But what does he say? But we are looking to you for help. I love that. What does that mean? I'm positioning myself. 
I'm going to position myself. I'm not going to look at the armies. I'm not going to look what's attacking me. I'm not going to look at the bad news. I'm not going to listen to the bad report. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to see what I'm reading. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow fear to motivate me, to move me, to cause me to react. I'm not going to react. However, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to position myself in a place of faith because you are the God of all power and you are the God that can change all things. It says, now, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. And his name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mattaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph, a worshiper. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen. King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. The first thing God says, do not be afraid. I'm telling you right now, whatever, whatever army is surrounding you and the enemy wants you to react, your enemy wants you to respond, position yourself, set your eyes upon heaven, and God says, do not be afraid. Why? Because fear has torments. Fear causes you to, uh, to respond, fight or flight. Man, you're going to come up fighting or you're going to beat it. You're going to run out of here. And God says, don't be afraid. And then he says, and don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Yeah, it's huge. Matter of fact, there's more of them. We sang about that this morning. There's more of them against us than are for, it looks like than for us. That's what it looks like in the natural, right? It looks like they're, I mean, I can say as a Christian, that it seems like the world is going down the toilet. It seems like everything is just like, where is morality? Where is godliness? Where is the fear of God? And you can look at what's happening in the world. You can look at the younger generation. You can see the confusion. You can see the distraughtness. You can see that, that, that they're so lost. And it's so easy to get discouraged by all that is set against us. The laws that are coming up that are ridiculous. The laws that do not honor God. But don't be discouraged for this mighty army. Come on, that's a word of the Lord. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. Why? For the battle is not yours, but God's. Whew! Pressure off of me. I just took it off of me that I had to do something, and I just, God took it away from me. The battle is not mine. It's not something that I can figure out in the natural. You can't figure out demonic things in the natural. I mean, come on. Satan has been tempting, tormenting, distorting, lying, deceiving from Genesis chapter 3. He knows what he's doing. You can't outwit the devil. You can't outsmart him. I don't care how many PhDs and all the things that we can have behind our name. The, the, the wisdom of this world, the Bible says, is foolishness to God. You can't outsmart what the enemy is doing, but God is greater than it all. And God is the one of all power, of all wisdom, of all authority, of all power. And, and you know what? He doesn't even play by the rules. Because you're going to think, okay, well, there's this great big army coming. So, all right, God, you're going to give me an army. You're going to send me an army that's bigger. But let's read the story. What does it say? 
Verse 16, now tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming through the ascent of the end of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But look at 17, but you will not even need to fight. You're not even going to have to fight. It says, but take your positions and then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. Come on. He's not playing by the rules here. He's not going to make you, you know, to fight in the natural. He's not going to use you to, do, to, to play with, with the enemy's rules because the enemy cheats anyway, right? He's going to tell you, now this is how we're going to play it. And then he does something totally different. God is saying, no, you're going to go out. You're going to take your positions. You're going to stand still and you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Verse, uh, let's pick up, let's read 17 again. But you will not even fight. Take your position, stand still, and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. You've got to remember that you are not alone. You're not alone, child of God. He doesn't expect you to fight this in your own wisdom. He doesn't expect you to fight this in your own strength. The Lord is with you. He's mighty in battle and able to save. Verse 18. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low his his face to the ground. Now here we go. That's a position of what? Worship. Now he's taking a position of worship. This is the leadership. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same thing worshiping the Lord. Why? How? When? Before the victory. We sing about that this morning. Before the, before the healing comes. While the pain is still in my body. While the symptoms are still shouting out at me. While, while it looks like my children are still going, you know, uh, rebelling. They're still, they're still turning their backs on God's word. I'm still going to believe God for my children. I'm going to worship him and believe that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm going to take my position. I'm going to stand. And I'm going to believe that the Lord's going to fight this battle for me, no matter what's coming against me. Worship is powerful. For who? For you. Because I'm taking my focus again. I'm getting it off the problems and onto him. Because he's the one that's going to fight for me. Verse 19. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Sometime I would love to be on that piano and you sing so loud that you're over-singing me. Now, we know Andreas can do it. (laughs) That boy sings with all his might and strength. And I love his heart of worship. I love his heart of worship. It, you know, he, he's right in front of this TV. So you, you can see him on when, did you know that? You can see you're, you're, you're going for it, Andreas. <laughs> but I, I would love to hear you sing a loud shout of praise unto God that I can hear you way up there. That you would out sing me. Come on, please out sing me. I would just love that. Verse 20, now early in the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa and on the way Jehoshaphat stopped and he said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. Believe, that's faith, that's a word for faith. Believe, have faith in God, okay? And you will be able to stand firm. 
Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. What prophets? I mean, come on, we've been giving a whole bunch of prophets, prophetic words right here in the word of God. I believe what God's word says. That's what Jesus used against Satan. It is written. It is written. And I can take God's word and I can stand and base my, I believe what the prophets say. I believe what is spoken in this word of God. I believe. And because of that, the Bible says by using that, I will have success. I will succeed. Verse 21. Now, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers. This is just getting more worshipful by the minute. To walk ahead of the army. Oh my God, who does that? Would you not freak out if you saw us going to war and the president says we are commissioning the churches to send worship leaders and we're going to send them on the front line as we go into battle and they're going to sing unto the Lord. I'd be right there personally, but hey, (laughs) I mean, you just, you're not going to see this in the natural. It don't make sense to put a bunch of, you know, come on, the Paler family, you guys ready to go on the front line in front of the army? <laughs> bring in your guitar. I guess I'll have to play a guitar. Can't bring my keyboard. You know, we're sending people who are singers and worshipers in front of the army. This don't make sense. God, don't play by the rules. He sent them ahead of the army and they were singing to the Lord. And praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sing. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Oh, come on. They're singing about his faithfulness. They're singing about his love that endures forever. It never ends. It never fades. Nothing can separate me from it. The powerful love of God. As they're singing that as worship is mingled with faith. It becomes a weapon of God. You see, you can come in here and you can walk in with a bunch of problems, a bunch of trials. You're barely making it, wondering where is God? Why has he come through? And you sit down and then Pastor Mark says, okay, we're going to interrupt to worship. And you're just, you know, well, we don't even do that sometimes. We don't even clap our hands. We're just looking at the words and we're singing the words. But worship without faith is going to produce nothing. Because I don't believe what I'm saying. But if I'm singing a song about God and I believe what I'm saying about God is true and I'm mingling it with faith and I'm lifting it up to God and I begin to worship him, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. That means the Shekinah glory, the very presence of God will fill this house. And the Bible in the Old Testament says that when the, when the Shekinah glory filled the house, the people could no longer stand. They fell in the presence of God because it was so powerful. I want the Shekinah glory of God to fill the house where we cannot even stand. Our flesh can't stand in the presence of God before an almighty powerful God. Verse 22, now they're worshiping. At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Amnon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. You want to see some demon fights? 
all those demons that have been fighting in your life, all the things you've been struggling in your home, the minute you begin to sing praise to God and mingle it with faith, God's going to cause your enemies to start fighting among themselves. And I love it because look what, look what happens. And the armies of Moab and Abnam turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And they had destroyed the army of Seir and they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, they saw they were already dead. Dead bodies were lying on the ground as far as eyes could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Wow. This is a true story. This is not a fairy tale, as I tell my kids in class. This is a true story. Jesus Christ, the same, say it with me, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it for Jehoshaphat, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can do the same thing in my life, in my home, against my enemies that persecute me. And it even gets better. I know I got to end. Let me do in this last part. When King Jehoshaphat and his men went out, they, they gathered the plunder and found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. That means blessing. Not only when I worship God, when I get my focus upon him, not only will he cause my enemy to just fight among themselves, he'll, you know, he'll bring confusion to the enemy's camp. He'll, he'll, I won't have to lift a finger because I'm just worshiping. I'm just singing. I'm just giving him glory. It also says that he's going to cause me to gather an abundance. He's going to bless me. He's going to multiply. He's going to give to me all that the enemy stole. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you this morning. I thank you that, Lord, praise and worship is powerful because it changes our perspective. And it gets our eyes off of ourselves, which are so weak and frail and fragile sometimes. We get discouraged. We feel hopeless and despair because we're looking at the enemy surrounding us. But I pray that God, as of today, we would be men of God, women of God that would know to position ourselves to put our faith in a God who can do all things. God, I thank you that you can restore what is lost. You can give back that which has been taken. What the enemy came in and stole and broke up families and broke at homes, broke up our children. He came and ravaged our lives, our health, our finances, God, I thank you that you can restore and make all things new. I thank you, God, that you can create if you have to. Lord, if there's organs in our body that the doctor said is no good, it's ruined, it's destroyed. God, I thank you that you're the one who created this body. You can create new body parts in us. That's the kind of God that I serve. And I put my faith in you, God, and I pray today that we would be challenged that even when we leave this place, we will be people who will worship our God, that the world would know that we love our God, that we believe in who our God is, that we trust in him, and we will not be silent. 
And I thank you, Father. I thank you for your faithfulness. And I just pray a spirit of worship upon this congregation. I pray for an anointing of God to rest upon them. That, Lord, that Lord, if they don't even know how to worship, that they would pick up their Bible, they would go to, to, to Psalms, that they would find a Psalms, and they would just begin to sing and, or to read it to you. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, all my soul. And, God, we would just learn, learn to position ourselves as worshipers, because we trust you. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. The people said, amen, amen, amen. Man, I may volunteer for that dunk tank. I am so hot up here. But no one, you'll, you won't want to do that, right? You, know? <laughs> you don't want to dunk me. No, um, but I love you guys. I pray that you are blessed today. You know, if, if you need prayer this morning... We have a prayer team. We are here to pray with you. If you would, you need some, we need one another. You know, we need the body to, to pray with each other. So I invite you, if you, you know, prayer team, you can come forward. Amen. I have one thing to say to you before. Oh, okay. And uh, prayer team, you can come forward. And then if you need someone to pray with you, um, I know that they'd be happy to pray with you and stand in faith and agreement with you. Amen. 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 Also, we've been asked by... Uh, an individual to pray for uh, his father who was rushed to the hospital for internal bleeding. And then also I got a prayer request from a gentleman this morning about his son, of some things they're going to be doing there. I'm not sure about it. Actually, they're going to be putting holes in his heart. I'm not sure what that means, but hallelujah, we're going to pray and we're going to do that. So prayer team, you guys can come, but we're going to do that right now. And then also, as soon as we get done, we're going to let you dismiss and you guys can all go back and, and uh, bless the youth I know it's warm out there, but go ahead. Go out there, give them a bunch of offering, then leave. We don't care. But as long as you're done, grab a couple of hot dogs, it'll be blessed. But I want to pray. So let's all stand up. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you. We thank you when one member of the body of Christ suffers, we all suffer. And Father, we lift up this Father to you. We thank you, hallelujah, that you are the healer and you're healing this. Father, we thank you for Ezekiel 16, 6. It says, blood live. So we thank you that his blood's living, hallelujah, and that bleeding is stopping. And Father, thank you for this, this young man, that because of his heart, Father, your hand is upon it. You're giving the doctor's wisdom. Father, thank you for the healing power of God touches his heart. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you, thank you for that. And Father, we honor you and love you and thank you for Harvest Bible Church. And Lord, we just thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed.